I don't know about your last couple weeks or whatever, but there was something strange that went across the sky. Maybe some of you saw it. Uh, streaming through the night, and it was some kind of space junk. I know that Chris was in her hot tub enjoying her time there, and she saw something going across the night sky. She said, look at this. And maybe some of you saw it or you heard about it. There's speculation about it being a meteor shower or something weird going on there, or maybe a UFO. Who knows? Um, maybe something the U.S. government was doing that didn't want anybody to know about. But uh, we come to find out that uh, it was uh, from the Falcon 9 rocket launched, launched by SpaceX. And so this was coming down through the atmosphere. And apparently there's some debris that was found in Washington State uh, on down the road there. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, the eyewitnesses, uh, eyewitnessing is the very interesting thing. <laughs> You get to see something. I'm, I'm sure millions of people saw this going across the sky, and they wondered what it was or speculated as well. Yeah, the gospel writers, Mark, Matthew, uh, Luke, and John, they all witnessed the event of Jesus, and they wrote about his life. They gave different yet similar eyewitness accounts of his life. And uh, Matthew, he wrote to the Jews, and he gave more of Jesus as king, and then Mark, he wrote to the Romans, and he wrote uh, and, and kind of give the perception of Jesus as servant. And then also Luke, he wrote to the Greek, uh, Greeks, and then he, he also uh, wrote, uh, described Jesus as man. And then uh, John, he wrote to everybody, and uh, it was uh, Jesus, he depicted Jesus as God. So you have king, servant, man, God. You get the whole facet there as far as the eyewitness of who Jesus is. Very interesting. Very interesting. All these different writings coming together to describe who Jesus is. And it's a full description. And Paul gives a witness as well, too, to this resurrection event that we're celebrating today. And I trust that you celebrate every day. And this event uh, we hear about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And you know, the situation here, though, before Paul, uh, we hear from Paul here in 1 Corinthians 15, disciples, the disciples were living kind of an in-between event, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And there is this event in between called, I guess you can call it Sad Saturday. <laughs> but basically, they were living in a situation where... Um, they didn't know what to think. They didn't know what to do. There's probably dismay. Dismay in the fact that our, our, our Savior has been killed. What are we going to do now? Uh, there's probably doubt. I really wonder if he did, if he really was the Son of God like he said he was. Maybe there's also disbelief. I can't believe he's gone. I can't believe we're alone. I can't believe this has ended. I can't believe this is all that there is. Maybe there is discouragement. I can't go on. I'm just going to go back to fishing or whatever. I'm just going to go back to what I'm doing before. And they get discouraged about even doing anything more about uh, spreading the news of Jesus. And then there probably was depression setting in as well, too. Well, we can't do this, can't do that, and Rome's going to come after us, and we're probably going to be dead anyway. We followed this guy for three years, and now it's for nothing. I just better crawl into a hole and die. And so depression probably settled in as well, too, on this Saturday. But then, on the third day, things changed. On Sunday, things changed drastically. And it's the greatest day in all history, Resurrection Sunday. Greatest day in all history. Paul gives, uh, gives account of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. 
And he basically gives it in kind of a Detective Friday dragnet style of just the facts, ma'am. And he starts off in verse uh, 3, 1 Corinthians 15. He says, for what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and the last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So here we have Paul giving testimony of this resurrection. He says Christ died for our sins. There had to be a price paid for our sins. Had to be. Before all this, of course, you, you uh, remember the Old Testament where they always had to bring in sacrifices. Something had to die. Or something had to be sacrificed in order, for that, in order for that sin to be atoned for. Well, Christ died for our sins. He was the, the perfect lamb that was uh, uh, killed for us, and his death allowed us to have life. And so that price had to be paid, his death. Paul goes on to say that Christ was buried in verse 4. He says Christ was buried. He was placed in the tomb. He was wrapped up. He was, he was in there. Uh, uh, Joseph of Arimathea was the one who was able to open up that uh, tomb for him and put his body in there. And then, of course, the stone was rolled in the way there and sealed by the Romans. And Christ was raised from the dead. That is also eyewitness testimony of, of Paul. He was raised from the dead. The tomb is empty. No one's in there. And the stone was rolled away. A stone that was put into place, a rather large one, that had a seal on it as well, too. So no one should be able to get into it. Should If they did, they'd know what was going on. But that was something that happened from the inside out. And Christ was seen, as Paul gives testimony here as well. Paul was seen by, by Peter, by the 12, the disciples, and more than 500 Christian believers. Can you believe that? And you're walking along, and all of a sudden, hey, wasn't that Jesus over there? <laughs> and it's amazing if you're one, you know, you're one of those 500 to be able to see that and witness that. And Paul said, you know, most were, are still alive with us today although some had passed on, but James also too, Jesus appeared before him, and that's his half-brother. James is the one who wrote the book of James. James is the one also too who was a leader of the Jerusalem church at one time. And so all of this coming together, giving witness to all these people, all the apostles, and as well to Paul. The resurrection is a historical fact. The resurrection is a historical fact. So this greatest day, Resurrection Sunday, also holds the greatest value to our faith as well. Listen to how Paul describes the values to our faith from basically the perspective of there being no resurrection. Just think about that. No resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 13, Paul goes on to say, he says, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised... Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. 
For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. So if the resurrection didn't happen, preaching is useless. This right here is useless as far as letting you know about the good news. What goodness is that? Preaching about a guy who went around and helped everyone and then he died? The tomb is still full? <laughs> uh, doesn't make any sense. It's useless. If the resurrection didn't happen, our faith is useless. We, we believe that there's a heaven to come. Well, if he wasn't resurrected, forget that. That's not available. If the resurrection didn't happen, there's no forgiveness of sins. You think about that? We'd still be slaughtering lambs and sheep and goats and everything else in order to be right with God. And if the resurrection didn't happen, there is no victory over death there, and, and no victory beyond the grave. And if so, we are to be pitied. We are to be pitied if there is no victory and no victory beyond the grave. So if there's no resurrection Sunday, did you think about that? If there's no resurrection Sunday, not only church would be affected, not only your life would be affected as a Christian, but our world would be affected as well. Think about it. All those great people of the faith that did all these other things. The Christian faith has changed the value on human life. All because of the resurrection. The Christian faith has changed compassion and mercy. There, there are charities that stand out that are Christian-led. Uh, just one name comes to mind, Mother Teresa. Hello. <laughs> she helped so many people. The Salvation Army, religious hospitals. You think about uh, the hospitals we have in our, in our city alone. They are uh, religious-based. They started out that way. Who knows if they're continuing that way, but they started out that way. All these things. And the Christian faith has changed education as well. Uh, the, the Protestant Reformation brought about the education of the masses. Over 200 years in America, children's reading texts contained scripture. Oh, man, we need that these days, huh? All but one of the first 123 colleges in colonial America were, were Christian institutions. They're Christian institutions. So the Christian, Christian faith has changed education. Christian faith has directly impacted America's constitution based upon biblical doctrines. The Christian faith has affected the thinking of scientists as well. Pascal being one of them, Newton as well being one of them. The Christian faith has made its mark on literature and music and art. You think about Dante and Chaucer and Shakespeare and Dickens and Milton of all the writers. You think about, the, in the music realm, Handel, Vivaldi, and Bach. These people were driven by Jesus Christ as their Savior in the resurrection. It influenced art with its beautiful cathedrals and the sculptures and, and the paintings, all because of Resurrection Sunday. Lee Strobel was a newspaper writer, reporter, and he turned into a Christian. He became a Christian. He went out to disprove the Christian faith, and he found out, oops, I guess I'm wrong. And he became a Christian. And now you read his books, and he has a, a list of apologetic books about Christianity or Christ 
or, or all these other things. I think he even has the, the case for Christmas and, and things like that. But the case for Christ, the case to be able to uh, uh, have that relationship with him, it is real. It is real. And so he, he identified some truths about the resurrection that I want to share with you this morning. Truths that I believe that will ring uh, true to your heart and, uh, and just refresh your memory, remind you of these things about the resurrection. Lee Strobel first says that the execution was true. The execution was real. The crucifixion of Jesus happened. He was clearly dead. He was clearly buried. It happened. The execution is fact. The empty tomb is fact. There's no one there. The bone, bones were not even found in that tomb. Nothing was found there to identify uh, a body there. Just the cloth being wrapped and, and, and right there. Eyewitnesses. There were eyewitnesses as well, too. You know, over 515 eyewitnesses, including skeptics. Remember Thomas? <laughs> and all the, the, the disciples were in the room there, and Jesus comes knocking on the door, and, and uh, you know, hi, hello, I'm here. And, and Thomas, later on, he says, well, I don't believe that happened, because he came a little later, and Jesus was here. <laughs> yeah, right, until I can put my finger in his side, and, and through the nail print uh, hands, I don't believe it. And then Jesus appeared again. <laughs> he said, hello. And Thomas was like, oh, wow, look, <laughs> it's you. Eyewitnesses, even to the skeptics. There were early accounts, Lee Strobel uh, indicates, early accounts of this, the creed of the early church. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is, is kind of part of that as well, too. It, it, this book was written about 24 to 36 months after Jesus' death. And there's historical data close to all, all these happenings as well, too. And then Lee Strobel says the, it's the emergence of the church that gives it true uh, truth of the resurrection as well, too. Explosive growth that happened. And you know what? It's still happening today. You'd think that after 2,000 years of a fake death or a fake empty tomb or something like that, that this would have died a long time ago. Um, no, it continues on because it's true. And the resurrection is true, and we serve a risen Savior. The question that I have for you, for me, for all of us, those who are joining us today online as well too, what will you do with the truth of the resurrection. What will you do with it? It's all fine and dandy. Here it is in scripture. There it is. Great, Pastor Jim. Thanks for reading those things to me. Thanks for letting me know about Lee Strobel and what he found. What do I do about it? Well, that's the question. What are you going to do about the truth? Truth of the resurrection. Will you choose to believe that the greatest power in the universe could love you? Do you choose to believe that? Remember John 3.16? God so loved the world. He loves everyone. Will you choose to believe that the resurrection power could live in you? John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. This is when Martha and Jesus are having this conversation here about Lazarus. Yeah, he's dead. And Martha's going, if you were here sooner, this could have happened better. We could have saved him. Now he's dead. And so Jesus has this little discussion with Martha. And he says in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? As he asks Martha. And I think the same question comes across us as well too. Do we believe this? Do we truly 
believe this. And will you choose to celebrate this day by choosing Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord? I think this is the greatest day to do something like that. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, uh, I know most of you. I know where you're at with the Lord and all that. But I don't know everyone, especially online. I don't know who's online right now. And who might view this later. But I got to say that if you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you don't live for him, if you don't know him as Savior, you just... Know him, but you haven't embraced the gift of eternal life that he offers, then today is the day of salvation for you. Today is the day of salvation for you to pray and receive him as Savior. A simple prayer. A simple prayer that says, Lord, I, I'm a sinner, like you say. I confess that. Will you come into my life, clean up my heart, and help me follow you? I want to follow you. Wipe away the sin in my life. I want to live for you. Simple prayer. And, and that's the stumbling, stumbling block at times. Oh, that's too easy. That's all you got to do? It's got to do something more. Shouldn't I be giving away my money to the poor? Shouldn't I be all going down to the freeway there and finding someone with a cardboard sign and giving them at least 50 bucks? That should help me get into heaven, shouldn't it? Shouldn't I come to church every day? Shouldn't I come to church wearing a mask, face shield, overcoat, and everything else? Shouldn't I be here all the time? Wouldn't that get me to heaven? See, this, we make it too hard. We make it too tough. It's very simple. Simple prayer. Receiving him as Savior. Jesus, come into my life. Clean up the sin. I want to live for you. Will you choose to celebrate this day by choosing Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And finally... Will you choose to follow him by giving him your life and your all? So some of you are, are Christ followers, and you're following him as much as you can. But you know, there are days, aren't there? <laughs> there are days that we kind of trip up. We kind of get off course. We kind of get off center. We need to refocus. We need to choose each day <laughs> to follow him by giving him our life. By giving him everything. He can do much better with the things in our, our lives than we can on our own. <laughs> we think we can. But God can do so much better. He's got the full picture in mind. And he needs you to be part of that puzzle piece. Put his plan into action. And be able to bring his good news to those we meet. Will you choose to follow him by giving him your life and your all? Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, preached on it a number of times. If anyone would come after me, and Jesus is saying these words, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Giving your all to him. No reserves, no regrets, all for him. So if you know Jesus as your Savior, do you know him as your Lord? Have you given him your all, your concerns, your worries, your cares, your future? All these things, have you done that so that he can have full reign in your life? We need a Savior, definitely. We need a Savior because we're facing eternity. 
and it should be eternity with him. Do you know him as Lord? Do you know him as Lord? So that he can live through you right now <laughs> and reach those around you. That whenever he says, go, you go. Whenever he says, do this, you do it. It's obedience out of a love for him and what he's done for us. It's not trying to work ourselves to heaven. He's done it. The job is complete. There's no more that we can do. We need to receive him as Lord as well. The choice is yours. What are you going to do with the truths of the resurrection? What are you going to do with it? Listen to it and go, that was nice, and be on your way and have your Easter dinner with your family and everything else. Are you going to let the Lord and the Holy Spirit speak to your heart and act in obedience to what the Holy Spirit has for you today? I trust you will. I trust you'll act upon that. And I trust that you'll just, even as I close in prayer here, just you know, make a little altar right there with where you're at. Then if you want, you can come to the altar and pray too. But just create that little altar right there and you just, you and God, and sometimes it's good to close your eyes about this so you don't get distracted by anyone else, but you and God, get in alone. Allow him to remove everyone else just out of your perception. And just get with him and ask, are we good? Do I really know you as Savior? Do I really know you as Lord? And allow the Holy Spirit just kind of lead and direct you in this. Let me pray as you pray as well too. Let's trust that God will meet the needs. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence right now. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for the resurrection. <laughs> and Lord, we celebrate that. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to remind us that you are a God that can be trusted. And Lord, if there's someone here today or online as well too that haven't received you as Savior, I pray, Lord, that they would just say the easiest prayer, simplest prayer, God, save me. And Lord, I pray that your assurance would come just overflowing upon their heart and their life letting them know that they are a child of God because you have forgiven them. <laughs> and I pray also too, Lord, for anyone here today that knows you as Savior, but maybe, maybe there's been some difficulties along the way. Maybe there's been some rough road. <laughs> there's been some rough road in the last year, of course. But how have we reacted to that? Have we taken up our cross? Have we, have we denied ourselves? Have we followed you or... Have we just decided to do the things ourselves? Lord, I pray that we would realize that the best life to live is a surrendered life to you. And so, Lord, if there's someone here today that just needs to allow you to be Lord of their life, in another simple prayer, that, Lord, come in, be my Lord, be my King. I give you my all, my concerns, my cares my worries, my future, it's in your hands. Even that unknown bundle that we don't know what you might pull out of that sack, it's all yours. And today is the day not only of salvation, but the day that I surrender my life to you. Lord, if there's someone here praying that prayer, I pray that again you'd bring full assurance in their life that you are with them, that you will take care of them through these times, guiding and directing them in all truth, 
Holy Spirit, thank you for that. And I pray, Jesus, that you would again just speak to our hearts about, the, again, the, the, the assurance of you being with us. The assurance that we are your child. And that heaven awaits us later as well. Lord, thank you for the promises of your word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for working in people's lives. And I pray, Lord, that you'd continue to speak clearly to those today and online and whoever views this video later on. They'd realize their need for you. Realize that you are the only way. <laughs> Resurrection and the life. Lord, thank you. We bless you and we just praise your name. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming, and thank you for joining in on this Resurrection Sunday. Thank you, Becky, for putting the music all together and formatting. Thank you also, too, and Sydney and Jake and running everything and getting things ready. They put all this together, the technology and everything else, and uh, those who are online are uh, enjoying the fruits of their labor. <laughs> so thank you for them as well, too. But thanks for coming. Uh, enjoy Easter. and. You know, he is risen. <laughs> God bless you all.